the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. All right, welcome to the podcast. We are here with Phil Baltazar. His expertise is driving growth and developing affinity partnerships across direct-to-consumer mortgage platforms. He pivoted on uh, from focusing on business purpose loans to providing real estate financing to developers and investors. And currently, he is the executive advisor in San Diego for Culture Index. They are a strategic advisory firm that works exclusively with visionary entrepreneurs, business leaders, managements, management to scale, and transform organizations using applied analytics. So if you are looking to improve your company and your culture, this is the guy to talk to. Welcome to the show, Phil. John, good to be here. Thanks, man. Was, I know it was a long drive, right? You're up in Carlsbad or? Yeah, it was, it's eight minutes, nine yeah, minutes. Yeah, easy. Yeah, easy peasy. Nice. Um, what's cool, tell us a little bit about how you got into the mortgage industry. It's funny because off, off camera here, we're talking about you came from the music industry, right? So right. my path was, I was a ballet dancer. Really? I went from Division One wrestling. I was a, in a Virginia, Maryland, D.C. district or state champion at 167. Had a scholarship to college, West Virginia University. Came out to California. Anyway, I decided to get into the arts. I wanted to be an actor. Okay. So I went back to George Mason University. And I'm signing up for a theater class, and I had to take a dance class. And so, and I'm, it was like, you know, I was the only guy in the class, right? And, yeah. uh, and I didn't make it to nationals that year, so I quit school and went into Washington, D.C., and I started dancing. So my dance career takes off. I danced, like, for Kansas City Ballet, Washington Ballet. I was with Alvin Ailey, and, and I, you know, I had this amazing career. How old were you at the time? 20s. 20s. Man, is it, was this in New York? New York City. Well, okay. everyone goes to New York to find their dancers. Right. Right? So I'm dancing in Berlin, uh, doing cabaret, and I come back, and I, I'm doing an off-Broadway show as an actor, and I meet my wife-to-be hmm. at Soho Steak down in Soho, New York. We fall in love, decide to get married. I'm an actor. She's a PhD candidate at NYU, and we decide we want to get a mortgage, <laughs> buy a co-op. Okay. Right. And so for those of you that don't know a co-op, a co-op, instead of like a condo, you're buying shares in a building, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to space. So we get denied like five times because I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a independent Spiring contractor. Actor. So is she. Right. So I finally, there was a company called the Kingsford Corporation on mm -hmm. Madison Avenue and 34th Street. So I had my loan file and I walk in the door and I said, where's Kingsford? Who's Kingsford? <laughs> and they said, he's over there in the corner office, right? So it was like central casting, dude. I knock on the door and I open it up. And back then in the 90s, right, 95, you could still smoke. So guy, yeah. he's smoking his big old fat cigar. <laughs> big dude. Indoors, on the telephone. Big wooden desk. 100%. <laughs> and he says, uh, can I help you? And I said, I don't know. Let's find out. So I closed the door <laughs> behind me. Mm -hmm. And I sat in front of him and I put my file on his desk. So he's on the phone. He goes, Hey, let me call you back. Hangs up. And I go through the file and I said, help me to understand how you can't do this loan yep. because I'm going to show you how to do it. He goes, you're the most persistent F I've ever met in my life. Right? <laughs> so we go through the file, dude, and I show him how to do it. And he says, okay, you got time for lunch? I said, yeah. We go across the street. He offers me a job. Wow. I said, look, get me the loan and then we'll have a serious conversation. He gets the loan done, 
I come back a few weeks later, welcome aboard. He shakes my hand. He goes, there's your desk. There was a rotary phone <laughs> and that was it. And we had one computer. Wow. It was still DOS, like the blinking mm -hmm. green dot, right? Like when you run a credit report, it comes in on like some weird paper. And, it's and like, it would take a week to get right. a credit report, right? Right. So he says, good luck. And so these AEs would come through, right? And mm -hmm. the first guy coming through, his name was, I still remember this guy, Mario Eli. And he worked for Home Savings. And they I had remember the, those guys. They, they were had great. the option arm. They were the first guys with an option arm. Yep. So he teaches me the option arm. And I'm thinking, okay, great. Perfect for actors and singers and dancers, right? Perfect, yeah. And he says to me, he goes, you're going to be a superstar in this business. <laughs> he goes, but right now, he goes, your job is to just plant your seeds. He goes, I can't teach people what you have. Mm -hmm. I can teach you my product. Right. I'll remember those words forever. So that's what I did. So I started getting, and I, I joined Le Tip, you know, one of those networking groups mm -hmm. where the guy, you, there was only like one, there could be one mortgage guy, one attorney, whatever. One insurance and guy, yep. He'd walk around the room, the chairman, and he would drop um, business cards under your chair. And, he, and you'd have to stand up and give an elevator pitch for mm -hmm. or an advertiser for that person. Right. Well, someone in my group was with this accounting firm. They had like, Linda Evangelista, the Wonder Bra woman, right? They had, and they had all these like big celebrities in there. So I do her loan first. Mm -hmm. I get this billionaire, this Japanese billionaire, and he bring, and he's buying, he he's building this uh, um, country club. I mean, a, a golf course with all the estates on it, mm -hmm. and I do a loan for him. But and I say to to Harvey Tent, I said, hey, I need some bank statements. And he goes, oh, and he has this black. I said, what's wrong? He goes, uh, Masa could never dishonor the Bank of Tokyo by saying he's going to do. So I had to figure out and get a <laughs> statement that he right, maintains. Like you're, you're, you're questioning my honor. A hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. So I figured him out, right? Mm -hmm. I figured out there was also an MTV director, right? And I was telling you that story earlier. Mm -hmm. So this was a big deal back then. It was like two and a half million dollar loan. Mm -hmm. And everyone is denying me like four or five times. So finally, I, I figured, I walked over, I looked up, I looked like at the penthouse. I'm like, man, I'm going to get this loan done. Right. So the next morning, I called this company up, up in, in Connecticut, and I said, hey, I said, I'm jumping on a 905 up to Stanford with my loan file, and here's the parameters, <laughs> and I'm not leaving until you give you me You were the approval. original Transbox. There you go, right? <laughs> they didn't even have those back then. Right, right. right? Remember that we had the physically delivering, yeah. 100%. Yeah, the purple, the, the orange color, the green, whatever, yeah. So, so, dude, I get this guy's... So now, you know, I've got this business of, like, doing these out-of-the-box loans. You were known for the, the guy that could get it done. Right. Yeah. So check this out. So from my co-op to the A-Train, there were two real estate companies. And I'd walk by every single day, pop in there, hey got any loans that you can't get done or and they would say they, they already had their relationship with their loan guys right sure. so finally i said i gotta find a way to get into these companies yep so dude i get a trash can and i put my name on it with my cell number and i said here before you throw away any loan you call me up <laughs> that's a good marketing <laughs> and that's how i that's a great idea I, that's yeah. how i built my business wow Right, and you just took on the harder to do, harder to do loans, but they were big loans most of the time, right? So they, yeah. they were worthwhile. Like if you close it, you made a great commission. So it just two points on two and a half million dollars. Yeah, it's huge. I'm an actor, right? <laughs> I don't make any money. I'm a waiter. Yeah. But now, 
now a full-time mortgage guy, right? Right. And then my wife got this, like, uh, she was, she graduates or, you know, finishes uh, her, her, uh, her studies at NYU, she gets a social science research council grant, a MacArthur grant, a candidate. I mean, she gets all these grants to go to Oaxaca, Mexico. Wow. And I'm finally making money for once in my life. And I'm mm -hmm. saying, honey, you know what? I'll see you down there. I'll come visit you every month, something like that. But of course, the closer we got, I was like, there's no way. No. Your business is crushing and she's... There's no way I'm not going to not go with oh, her. Oh, you got to go. So yeah. I leave right, the right. business and we go, we lived in Oaxaca for a year. Wow. But she had an uncle that had this 26, a uh, thousand acre ranch between Jalisco and Puerto Vallarta. And I mean, Manzanilla and Puerto Vallarta. And he wants to sell it for $26 million. Jeez. Was it on the water? So, on the water. Is and that right, like we're like. Um, uh, Costa Carreas. Yes, yes. Is this south what? of uh, Puerto Vallarta? Yep. 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 And there was a little, there was a little boutique hotel called Las Salamandas. That's owned by Sir, you know, a, a big, uh, uh, he was the tin king from England. And it only, it was a boutique hotel that like only seated, you know, slept like 14. So De Niro would come down there, Dustin <laughs> Hoffman, all these superstars. And when there was overflow, they would come stay on this ranch. <laughs> so dude, I'm calling up Robert De Niro. Hey, Bobby, I got this property. So while my wife is up in the cloud forest, mm -hmm you know, studying the Mije Indians and how, what they're doing, you know, with indigenous media, I'm playing golf with De Niro and Hoffman <laughs> in Costa Carreas trying to sell this thing for $26 million, right? Wow. Didn't sell it. It's worth a lot more now, I'm sure. Didn't, yeah, it, I'm sure it is, but you know, but I had a great time. She's in the cloud forest, mud huts. I'm on the golf courses. I'm killing it, right? Wow. So we moved back. We drive across country. She has a fellowship at UCSD, and we had a 1985 Land Cruiser. She's seven months pregnant with our first son. We have two maxed out credit cards and everything we own. Wow. So we get out here, and um, I start doing what I did in New York City. I start going to the real estate companies, knocking on the doors, but I'm in a suit and tie with you know straps and everything. And people looked at me like I was from Mars in La Jolla. Because <laughs> San Diego, everyone's right, way, right. way more chill. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so um, I meet this guy, uh, San Francisco Funding, SF Funding. And uh, I answer his ad. He's looking for loan officers. And I, and I sent him a, a resume. And instead of saying, I worked here, worked there, I just listed these deals that I had done. These crazy mm -hmm. $2 million, $5 million That's deals. That's a great right? resume, right? Yeah, this That's is what, it. This is what I've done. Yeah. So he hires me. But he goes, he had all this builder contacts and he had these guys that, had, that he would sign like to Lennar or to, um, who's the other big, uh, big one, whatever. And he goes, I don't have that for you. He goes, but I've got LendingTree. And I said, yeah. what's LendingTree? He goes, come here, let me show you. So he shows me LendingTree. And I'd never gotten a lead in my life, right? So what year was this? This was in uh, 2001. Mm. Yeah, they were, they were just starting out, right? They were and just starting out. Doug loved them. Mm-hmm. So he's in his garage and we had just bought a house in La Jolla. And, um, and I'd heard that this guy that owned the company had started his company with 300 grand. So we bought right. So I come home one day and I said, honey, I'm gonna start a mortgage company. I pulled out 300 grand from the house. I had a first, I had a second, and it was my third. Right? Jeez. The third, so, so Wells was doing these second and thirds, right? Yeah. 300 grand and I'm literally, in my in my um uh garage and in those days with lending tree they would get you'd get a lead you'd have to download the lead 
Mm-hmm. You would have to decision the loan, upload it back to LendingTree, and then LendingTree would give it to the consumers, the four or five that were competing, right? Mm. And then you could call them. Wow. So I had three loan officers at the time. And I said, we're all rotating on who's on call tonight, right? So everyone had a beeper if you're on call. <laughs> and your job was to print out the rate sheets. Mm-hmm. Come home with the rate sheets and at 7.30, 8.30, 10 o'clock. Dude, we were doing deals at midnight, man. So you can imagine, someone's coming home, they're freaking out with their wives telling them they got hardship, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So the guy goes online, he fills out the lending tree thing. I would get the lead. Whoever was on call, I'd say, Chris, I'm sending over the lead to you. Decision it, get back. So he would do that. And then we were having conversations at midnight with guys wow. that had been drinking or whatever, right? But because... Mm-hmm. We were the local broker. LendingTree was experimenting with. People used to go to LendingTree and get all those offers. Yeah, the offers. Whatever lowest one you'd win, right? Right. Or they, and then they would go to their local guy and they'd say, hey, LendingTree just gave me this, this, this offer here. Can you sure. meet or beat it? Right. So they were losing all this business to local guys. So Doug Lubbis says, hey, we want to get into that business. We want to launch a local broker program. Hmm. So I was the first broker on the LendingTree network to get launched, wow. right? Dude, back in those days, if you could close 5% of your deals, mm-hmm. you were killing it. We were closing like 28% because Jeez. we could go to the soccer game, get the, get the, the banks, You're local, meet yeah. them there, right? So we could right. use, we leveraged the national brand mm-hmm. doing it local. So I go from moving out of my garage into town center of my first office there. We're killing it. So Doug loved us as Phil, you're killing it, bro. He goes, where else do you want to go? So my CFO was in Virginia because I, I grew up in Virginia. And he and I wrestled together. We played football together. So he goes, Phil, let's open up McLean. I said, McLean, why would I do that? He goes, because my mom's got a real estate company there. So I deploy my two top guys, mm-hmm. number one, number two, with yep. their fiancés and a branch manager. We fly them out to DC. We land there, we got Dell computer boxes. <laughs> we land in Scott's mother's office, man. We literally unpack the computers. We start doing loans, sitting on top of the boxes. We launched in December, we're post-revenue by February, of course, right? And so I had an office in, in, uh, Virginia. In, in Virginia, and I had one here, mm-hmm. and then Costco comes to me. And we're, now we're killing it, right? And Costco and LendingTree used to be in bed together, and then they got into a big pissing match. Yeah. So then they come over and they say, Phil, you know, because my mission statement back then was to deliver an enhanced mortgage experience for every consumer through exceptional pricing and superior customer service, which was completely aligned with Costco taking care of their members. Yep. We want to get back into the business. Help us out. Interesting. So I put together, you know, here's like, I'm not a tech guy, but I became a tech guy. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be the smartest guy in the room, but I'm always going to have the smartest guys in the room on my team. You figure it out. Yeah. So I had to put together 14, a consortium of 14 lenders in order to service 70 million Costco members. Jeez. Right. It was, it, it was in a, in a so you eight. put yourself in one of the 14 as a, as a yes. lender. Yeah. So right. you were able, were you able to cherry pick a little bit or did you have to round robin it? We, we didn't round robin because here's how it worked. We found out very quickly that a Costco member living in New York didn't yep. want to deal with a San Diego guy. San Diego guy. Yeah. 
he wants a New York guy because there's colloquialisms, there's mm -hmm. mannerisms, there's the time zones. So when I built that network, it had to be a national network, keeping in mind that we needed people. And we also, I needed, you know, my success came from taking best in class vendors mm -hmm. and putting them all together with custom APIs and kind of building my unique, you know, mousetrap, right? That's what I did. I right. built mousetraps. And we're talking about subprime really. Listen, I'm killing it. We're doing maybe 60, 80 million a month, but they're all going through Interfirst because it was all a paper. We mm -hmm. had thin margins, but we could do loans back in those days in 11 days, right? It was just, it was a, I had built this manufacturing plant. And then all the subprime guys at the big conventions, right? Phil, what are you doing? <laughs> You're leaving all this money on the table, right? Right, you small could, margins, yeah. You could be killing it, you know, make five points. There was right. no, right? We didn't have any of those sections back in those, right? Section so, 32. Yeah. yeah. Yep. People were charging 10 points in those days. I remember when I started out, I was charging uh, 10, and a, 10 and three quarters rate with like six points on a first. 10 points on a second. Yep. I, for some reason, said, you know what? Because when I got into the business, I go back, I forgot to mention this. I, my first, first, first deal was to a single mother with a child. And I was able to put her into a house. And then I was able to put my dancer friends into their first houses. And they're my so singer rewarding. friends. Yeah, that's so rewarding. So it was service, right? Yeah. Service is the highest path. And so that's where I came from. So I had this, you know, in, in my company, when you joined America Funding, you had to sign the contract, but you also signed our values. That's good. Because there was going to be no, and the reason why we had those is because if you drop the ball, we're not going to fire you for fumbling. You drop it the second time, we're going to have a conversation. The third time was if you violated one of the, one of the, uh, one of our values, right? You You're were not done. fit. Yeah. Zero conversation. Right. Right. So, um, anyway, that's how I got into the business. Right. That's and I'm cool trying to remember. Story. That's really cool. I'm trying to remember. Cause then fast forward, I relaunched. That's a whole other story about what happened to American funny, but I relaunched America Funny 2.0. I was back east. And how, how did you and I... I think through Chackford. Or through um, that whole... Yeah, through, through some, a mutual co uh, connection. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, I, yeah, then I think you, you reached out for a deal or something at Fund Loans. And, and then we chatted. When did, when, did you, when did you launch Fund Loans? Back in 2017, January. So we, we had dropped mortgage in 2016, 2015. And um, we were maybe Brad Bowling. Was that was it Brad no. Bowling? It was someone, obviously, that said, hey, you should talk to John Maddox. Yeah. And I had a deal for you. I think that's what it was. And then we got going. And then um, we'd also talked about maybe doing some work together, like me building out a direct-to-consumer platform for yeah, you because that right. was my expertise, right? And yep. I shared a bunch of, like, performers with you and mm -hmm. financial models that we had made. Because I – listen, the second time around – the first time around was all my capital. The second time around, I raised some money. And unfortunately, when I, at that time, it was, this was like whatever year that was that you and I connected, um, I only raised a few million dollars. And, but non-QM was just coming up. Yep. And what was the most frustrating thing was that they kept on moving the goalposts. Mm -hmm. We would get deals in the door. And we had launched this, uh, 
radio campaign down in Miami because I'm starting to get my, my licenses back and Florida was the first one we got. So we started, you know, it was with um, iHeartRadio and we did AM rush hour and PM rush hour and both AM and FM in the morning. And we just reached out, hey, you know, are you one of the X amount of millions of Americans that can't get back into the mortgage business or to the homeowners mm. because you have a black eye? Foreclosure, bankruptcy, yeah. short sale, et cetera. Right. Call us up. We've got an answer for you, right? And then we would, and then they would, they would call in from their car and we knew it was a cell phone and then we would text them back a link to get the application mm -hmm. right there on the phone and da, da, da. And um, maybe it's through after, for, we had afterforeclosure.com. I wonder if that was. I think it was drop. I think it was drop sounds right. Yep. And then you turn it into fund. And, um, but anyway, you know, the mortgage business, I mean, we've been at it, right? We have been, it's so funny that, that you called me about this is because yesterday I got a call out of the blue. Some guy that, because I was so successful with LendingTree, I was their top broker in the country. And I got all these awards and stuff. I sat on their advisory board. And I sat on Ellie May's advisory board too, because. Wow. Sig Anderman was moving Ellie Mae from servers to the cloud. And it was going to be called Encompass 360. <laughs> which is which what we use. Right? Yeah. So, but I came in early. And it was touted this is going to help you with your business. And mm -hmm. da, 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 da. Well, they oversold it. They weren't ready. Right. So I jumped on a Southwest flight. Flew up there. <laughs> Sig. And I literally pulled a guy across his desk. I said, you're killing my business. You told me I was going to have increased efficiencies, da, 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 da. And to his credit, man, he just, like, he completely took care of me, gave me all my resources, moved it back to server base. Mm -hmm. And then he says, come join my advisory board, right? So I was on <laughs> Lenny Tree's advisory board and Ellie Mae's advisory board. And we were there for, he just wanted, you know, what's going on in the industry? How do we get better? You had your finger on the pulse. And yeah, he just wanted to get that that <clears throat> boots on the ground kind of yeah. thing. So how did you move from mortgages to this culture index thing? I, I've, it's fascinating. You sent me the link last night. I think I've taken the test before. You go through like, what, how do you describe yourself with all these big words, right? And then you go in and, you know, I'm sitting here, like my wife's sitting next to me. I'm like, uh, I'm like should I ask my wife if I'm, if I'm this way, you know? <laughs> like, but I'm like, no, I'm just gonna answer it however I feel that I'm, you know, that I am. And then it's like, the next questions were, how should you perform at work or how should you be at work, right? And then so I was asking, some of them were different, right? Because like some of the things that I am naturally, I probably would, I try to suppress, you know, for work or some of the things that, you know, that I'd wish I was more of than, you know, I would, I would strive for that. So I clicked that. And then, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I'm sure that you have the results, but um, how did you get into that and like, why? Well, so here's the deal. It's funny you asked the question because... When I would come to the office at America Funding, there would be three P&Ls on my table, on my desk, every morning. San Diego branch, I'm a claim Virginia branch, and corporate, okay. right? So I'm going through every single morning. And then one day I'm looking at my loan, I had 100 loan officers. And I noticed there's a guy, he's number 100. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh shit, it must've been a bad month, I flip over. He's 100 again. I go through the whole year. This guy is at the bottom the entire year. So I call him into the office. Mm -hmm. And I said, I said, Bill, I said, listen, 
I said, I've noticed, I've gone through all these reports here. You've been at the absolute bottom the entire year. And I said, so as the owner, I want to apologize. Because obviously, I haven't given you what you need to be successful in my company. Hmm. Let's talk about that. Interesting. Because I said, what does it feel like coming in here? This guy was the first guy in in the morning, last guy to leave. So we could never question how dedicated he was. He was a workhorse, yeah. But he was in the wrong position. Hmm. So we went through, I said, maybe it's ops. You know, maybe, you know, I said, listen, I can teach you my products. I can teach you the programs. But I can't teach you to have that gleam in your eye. Sure. Like, I used to ask my loan officers every morning, how many no's do you need to hear today? Because <laughs> we had roundups every single morning. And dude, if you were late, if you were late <laughs> for my meeting, because I got up at four, mm-hmm. I got to the gym, I got first guy in, right? If you were late for my nine o'clock meeting, you had to drop down and give you 10 push-ups <laughs> in front of everyone. <laughs> Until one day, this guy dropped, the older guy drops down. And while he's doing my push-ups for me, I said, you know, he used to be a professional soccer player back in Iran. And he gets up. He goes, well, I'm professional here. I was a professional here, too. I said, oh, good. Give me 10 more. So I dropped. So <laughs> the dude gets up, and he's all red in the face. And he goes to sit down, and I'm getting in my meeting. And he leaves. And I'm like, what happened? Where'd he go? He went to the ER. The guy had a heart attack. Oh, shit. So HR was like, <laughs> no more. You're like, no more push-ups in no your meetings. No more push-ups. But what would happen is they'd have, they'd have to volunteer to give them to me if they were late for the meeting, right? <laughs> right, right. You just couldn't make them. So anyway, so I say this. So finally, you know, I'd say maybe it's operations, you know. But every time I would give him a different thing, he pushed back on me. Hmm. I gave this guy an hour that morning. And then I was like, you know what, dude? I said, come here. And I walked him over to the window. And I said, you know, there's a lot of opportunity out there. But you're fired. It's over <laughs> here. Because check this out. Right. If you're that guy who never gets picked to join the Sandlot football game, and you're mm-hmm. this thing, do you want to come to work every single day knowing that you're number zero no, or number depressing. 100? Yeah. Right? As a man or as a person. Sure. Right? So I started thinking, there's got to be a different way here. Because you see, we, and most people, we hire from our gut. Mm-hmm. Great handshake. The guy presented well. She was. She looked me in the eye. She came back with the right thing. She had a great resume. Because what do we look at? Resume. We look at experience. We look at all these things. It's all subjective. Right. This program is analytics over instincts. Right? So just like you, and by the way, it's not a test. You can't <laughs> fail or pass this thing, right? Mm-hmm. We measure seven, it's a survey. And what we do is we measure seven work-related traits. We look at autonomy, sociability, pace and patience, conformity. I look at energy units. How big is your battery pack? We look at logic. How do you process information and ingenuity? How do you, can you out of the thin air come up with ideas like Elon Musk, right? Mm -hmm. What we don't look at, I don't look at anything clinical or abnormal. I don't measure IQ. So it's not a, he's smart, he's not smart. And I can't measure ambition. That has mm. to come from the interview process. Sure. Right? So you were almost right on. By, there is two questions. The first question is describe yourself. And it's free choice. Right? So yeah. there's, there's forced choice. Me. I think there was one like, are you handsome? I put yes. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife said what? Yeah, she, so yeah. So the first question is, in, there, we have 174 adjectives. And right. you pick all these adjectives that you think are, uh, describe you. Sure. The second question says, how do you 
perceive that you need to be for work in order to be successful in your role. So scientists will say that by the time you're 12, your top graph, because there's two graphs, the top one is your thumbprint. And I'm going to refer to that as your superpower, right? And if I can identify your superpower, so like with my loan officers, if you're a shooter, I want you shooting 90% of the day. It doesn't serve me if you're having to chase down page three of the bank statement. Sure. It doesn't help me out, right? Let someone else who likes doing that work mm -hmm. do that work. Someone more detail-oriented and stuff right. like that, yeah. The second graph tells me how you're modifying yourself in order to be successful. So the second graph changes based on the team that you have underneath you, the team you have above you, how long you've been in this role, who, is your, who are you reporting to, who's reporting to you, all these different things, right? Sure. So you want to hear about yourself? Yeah. I mean, and now if, if it's not on the podcast, it means I edited it because I was embarrassed. Oh, no. <laughs> go, go ahead. Do yeah, it. Gonna do it. it. They're going to love it here. So we have four buckets, okay. right? That, that uh, we have 19 different patterns and there's actually the 20th called the chameleon, but there's 19 different archetypes and they fall into four buckets. The first are visionaries. Mm -hmm. Visionaries are future thinkers, right? These are risk takers, 30,000, 50,000 foot people, right? Entrepreneurs. Yep. The second bucket are research tech people, people that, that, that if you build the train, they're going to make sure that it's built correctly, right? Mm -hmm. And, and then, then we have the social people. Um, and then we, the last bucket is organizational. So when I build teams and I say, John, what was your revenue last year? You give me a number. It sure. was whatever, 20, 50 million, whatever the number is. What do you want to do this year? Well, I want to, get, I want to double that. Well, then we got to have a lot of gas. Yep. Right? And then I'll take a look at your team and say, okay, how much gas do you have? How much results or breaks do you have? And then how much glue do you have? Because we got to have all three of those to make it right. Sure. Right? So, no surprise, <laughs> you fall into the first bucket as a visionary, right? And it's so we're going to call you a philosopher. Really? Yeah. So. Interesting, because I just won an award from AIM as a visionary. So that's, that's cool. Well, here's why. The dots don't lie. Dots right. don't lie. So you wake up every single morning wanting to be in charge of your own destiny, True. right? Yep. You're a future thinker. You're constantly scanning the horizon for outliers saying, okay, how do we get there? Where's the train? Where's the tra seeing around corners? If there's no train, how mm -hmm. do we build a train? How are we going to, where are we going to get to? Mm -hmm. You're that guy at 50,000 feet that's dictating where, where we're going, mm -hmm. right? In my workshop, when I engage with people, I do a exercise. It's called the t-shirt exercise. If I give you a t-shirt, all the stuff on the front of it are all the things you're proud of. Your LinkedIn, your accomplishments, great dad, great husband, coach, all that kind of stuff. We have to know all those things, right? Right. But as important is what's on the back. And what's on the back of the t-shirt are things people say about you when you leave the room, hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if I have 19 patterns, then you have to assume that only 5% of the universe is like you, is built like you. That means 95% are built differently. Sure. So what do we tend to do? We tend to hire people that are just like us, right? That's mm -hmm. what we want We'd like to, to be around people that are like us, yeah. Right, but we can't have all Johns in the room. You can't yeah. have all quarterbacks. You yeah. gotta have the front line. You gotta have the people that blocking and tackling, right? Mm -hmm. There are people that love doing things that we avoid. Sure. So. That's your autonomy. So on top of that, right, do you ever lack for opinion? <laughs> no, right? Are you assertive? Are you a self-starter? Mm -hmm. All those things, right? Because you're out there. 
Sure. Right? That's your autonomy. Any questions about the autonomy piece? Mm -mm. Okay. Sociability is what's next, right? So if your dot is on the right, you're someone that needs, wants, and seeks social acceptance. You don't need, want, or seek social acceptance. For you, you are an, um, you're skeptical naturally, mm -hmm. right? You're not trusting uh, until you gain that trust, right? You're introspective, data, technology, you know, things like that, that, that don't talk back, that you want to drill into, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens when you have all this desire to win, which you have, and you have all the skepticism or distrust? You got to innovate. Right. Right. So you have this desire to win, which is the autonomy. And then the lower sociability says that because you're not trusting here, you're going to find ways to win, but you're going to, you're going to be, you're going to innovate to get there. Mm -hmm. The next thing we look at is patience. And so for you, you're a patient guy, predictable and methodical. You never make rash decisions because you have that kind of, that kind of patience, right? On the other end of it, like some of your EO brothers, those guys are, <laughs> and myself, mosquitoes on red bull man that 300 miles an hour <laughs> go, talk go. over go yeah. go 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 never stop right. right and then finally on the conformity piece you're an outside the box thinker that's where your creativity comes from right yeah. outside the box creative conceptual mm -hmm. delegate for you let's delegate those little things love delegating yep details shmeetels they're really important for everyone <laughs> except for you because you want people underneath you that you can delegate those things to yeah and i hope and, and i've seen over the years right through my career that people actually do better with those details and they like to do it and they keep track of it. And it's like, I, I, I stress out if, if the, those details aren't like being handled, right, right? but I can trust that they're being handled if you get the right person in the, in the seat. Right. right. And it takes you a little bit to, to yeah. trust drive because of that low B that you have. But anyway, so like I had my teeth cleaned this morning. Do I want someone who's got, who's impatient doing my teeth? No mm -mm. people that have a low, a high D, which are the detail people, right. Mm -hmm. They can do things over and over and over methodical. very methodical yep. and they love it because they get their identity from their knowledge you get your identity from your ideas from your the big picture thinking sure. right you gotta have so if, if you're at fifty thousand feet as the bomber mm -hmm. we have fighter pilots we have helicopters and then we got the tanks and the troops on the so you need the guys on the you ground all in the trenches right mission, yeah. in order to, so when i go into companies i'll find people and I'll say, because this is basically, this is Moneyball, is what it is, right. right? So I'm gonna say, John, you know, you got this guy playing tackle over here, but he's got some hands, man. Let's move him over to wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And that guy, that wide receiver that you, that you pick first in a draft and you're paying a shit ton of money to, mm -hmm. he, can't, he keeps dropping the ball. Move him to the defensive backfield. So what's it, we're, we're gonna go in and we're gonna optimize it mm. top down. I like that. Right? So if we can keep John, 90% of your day in your superpower, how stoked are you to come to work every day? Stoked. Super yeah. stoked. So how we use this is we use, when I go into teams, right? We'll take a look at the team and I'll take a look at where's the strengths, mm -hmm. right? And based on where you're telling me you want to go, here's some gaps. If you say, listen, Phil, top line isn't important to me we don't necessarily have to grow a top line what i want to grow is my bottom line i want more profitability from what we have sure so now i got to take a look at okay who are all the guys then on the team that are chewing on that data mm -hmm. that are making those decisions for you how can we get more out of it and also when i see and you see your your uh your energy units go from a 17 to a 27 
that's unsustainable, right? When I see energy units going up like that, above 20% of the norm, mm -hmm. that's stress. Imagine an, a rubber band that you're pulling, right? You can pull a rubber band. Sure. But in times after sustained stress, you're going to revert back up to your superpower, mm -hmm. right? So I can take a look at these surveys and I can point out this guy's stressing out. She isn't going to last. She's mm. already got the resume on the street because, you know, the mm. thing that's really prevalent today, the quiet quitting, yep. act your wage, all that stuff <laughs> that's going on, mm -hmm. right? Tons if of that, yeah. If you're stressing, right, you're looking for another job here. The contrary is true, too. If I, see, if I saw it go the opposite, if you were 27 and now you're showing up with 17, I'm going to say, John, this guy is being underutilized. Yep. You're not using You're everything not maximizing he's got. Their, their talents, so, their efforts. Yeah. And if you can identify that, you could get two or three times the productivity mm. without having to hire another person. Mm -hmm. But let's just put him in what he loves to do and what he's designed to do. Right. Right. Makes sense. A way happier culture with this. Listen, I was at a, uh, at a benefits summit yesterday that one of my uh, soon to be clients brought me to. And um, this, statistic that I can't get out of my mind is that for every 10,000, for, for, for disengaged people mm -hmm. and only 37% of the workforce is engaged. Hmm. The other 15 are disengaged. You can kind of feel it, especially right now. Can't, can't you like when you go out, when you go to restaurants, when you go to stores, does not feel like there's a lot of disengagement? There is. And you know why? And here's the stats. 50% of the people that are working today will change jobs this year. Hmm. So why that's relevant for business owners? I mean, what, is, what does it cost you to, you know, when you lose Oh, someone? if you're using a recruiter, it's so expensive. Sometimes it's three or four X. Yeah. But on top of that, the statistic that I saw yesterday was that if you're paying someone 100 grand, they're costing you $34,000 in, in, in productivity that you're not. So if you had a, a big company, a hundred of those people, that's $3 million from your bottom line. It's huge. So it's critical now more than ever that, that you ensure that you got the right people in the right seats on the bus. Right. So if you engaged with me, right? One mm -hmm. of the first questions I'd say, okay, John, right seats, right bus. That's a cliche, right? But let's sure. pull the, let's pull the bus over. Yeah. Fire everyone. I want you to ask everyone to get off the bus right now. Fire every single one of them. Mm -hmm. And then I say, okay, tomorrow I just funded you again. Who would you hire back with enthusiasm? Mm -hmm. Not just hire back to be a place on the seat, mm -hmm. but who would you hire back with enthusiasm? Who would you be excited about? Yeah. What's that number, right? Mm -hmm. And so... Listen, it's all about, you know, it's, we're known for two things. We're known for our statistical accuracy. Like no one does it better than us. Um, and we're also known for the radical, our radical candor. Like if I see your sales manager <laughs> or I see the sales team and that's an ugly baby, I'm going to say, John, that's you one hell. That's one hell of an ugly bus. baby. <laughs> or I'm yeah. not going to tell you, anyway. all, I'm going to interpret, I'm going to help you interpret the dots. And you can dig in and explain why too. Right. It's not just like, yeah, they're not that they're not a fit. It's like, no, here's why, because they don't really like doing their job. And that's why they're not doing a good job. You know what's crazy too is that um 
part of my engagement, if we started, would be to do a two-day knowledge transfer to all your, anyone that you've empowered to lead, direct, manage, motivate, mm -hmm. incentivize. You don't know how often after we really drill into all these traits here and someone's inside out on their job, that they'll come up to me as a manager and say, I'm not right for this role, am I? <laughs> And do they figure that out by doing the test or just from- it's not a test, it's a survey. The survey. Surveys, right, words are important. No, they figure that out by me in that two-day workshop where mm. we get into the weeds about all these things. Because what Got we it. get into is like, if you have a low A, versus you have a high A. When I say that, you are the future thinker, autonomy, right? You're out there, you're, you're looking for your, you know, you step into risk, right? You'll step into conflict when it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. If you were a low A, that's someone that needs direction. That's a team player. Right. That that is unassuming. That's polite. So yeah. a low A person looks at you and they'll say, "Oh man, that guy's an asshole," or he's a bulldozer, or he's all these things. Because they're so we teach how do you look at the people around you? How do you fit through their too? lens? Oh, okay. So when you were growing up, you were taught the golden rule, which is what treat people how you'd like to be treated. Hundred yeah. percent. That's the golden rule. Right. I teach the platinum rule. The platinum rule is. Teach people the way that they want to be treated. Mm. So if you have a low A and you're the high A, mm -hmm. we can't look through our glasses. We got to look through their glasses. And as mm -hmm. their leader and their CEO, for you to know yourself means that you know them. Mm -hmm. So when a manager walks up to me and says, hey, I'm wrong for this role, aren't I? I'll say to them, look, based on what you just learned, what do you think? And then they'll tell me. So like, yep. My job is um, to go then to the CEO and say, hey, listen, you know what? Let's talk about where we can move this person so that he or she is living in their superpower mm. so that they're stoked about coming to work every day. Right. So what's like the process of, uh, or some success stories maybe where you did this with a, maybe a mortgage company, real estate company where you can say, you know, we started out, they're kind of, they're doing all right. They're maybe a little mess, but they're, they're kind of struggling along. And then, you know, six months later, however long it took, they were able to just completely get into that groove and just become this amazing company. Well, here's the deal. We, you know, um, we can't ever weaponize this because if we weaponize it, right, then people get very skeptical of it. So, you know, I promise CEOs two things. I promise them back their time because we all start our businesses because what? We want independence. We want to be free. But we end <laughs> up like working 120 hours a week and you know? we're, we're married to the business, mm -hmm. right? So by putting the right people in the right seats, now you can have that work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And number two, I give you back trust. And trust meaning that if you have the right people in the right seats, you now trust. And you naturally are skeptical. You naturally don't trust. But if you had the right people there, because, and now they've, they've earned your trust, and now we understand through the dots, and dots don't lie, we got the right guy in the right role, mm -hmm. right? So I've helped a number of my clients this year get their number two, because for them, they're stressing out. Like you, they want to delegate, but they don't have anyone to delegate to. And they, mm -hmm. they turn themselves inside out and then they're stressing out, you know. And, and then, so I say to CEOs, I say, look, when I do a team diagnostics and we take a look at your whole leadership team, mm -hmm. I'll ask you when it's just you and me for the first time, 
I'll say, okay, how long have they been with you? You're going to tell me how long. And I'm going to say on a scale of one to 10, rate them, score mm. them for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a five. Okay, what do they need to be to be a 10? Or, you know, they're an eight or they're a nine. Well, that's great. What has to be, what, what's, you know, what would get them to be a 10? So we're going to rate your whole team. My measure of success is if I went to, after we did this, and I worked with you for a little bit, and I went to your house, and I ask your wife to score you on a scale of one to 10. And if I've been working with you and she doesn't give me a nine or a 10, then I fail. Hmm. So you make the CEOs happy, basically. I give you back your time. And, and I give and, you that and trust. And peace of mind and all those things. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Right. So like for our listeners who may have a team, let's say like a mortgage team. Right. Right. Maybe they have like their sales manager. Maybe they're a marketing manager or their real estate kind of leader. <clears throat> they could use this for their team. A thousand percent because everything is top down, right? right? Everything flows down. So if I take a look at, and I'll challenge mortgage companies, mm-hmm. I'll say to them, listen, I want you to survey 50 of your loan officers. And then you're going to come back to me with your top 10 and your bottom 10. And you're not going to tell me which are which. <laughs> I'll tell you who's killing it for you. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to tell you who's killing you. Mm. Because these dots will tell me if the bottom graph is stressing and he's inside out, right? But then I got to take a look at too at the manager. I can see with these profiles here, is he micromanaging? Because someone like you and someone like me, visionary as well, right? Mm -hmm. What do you you need? Independence, freedom, right? If you're going to hire sales guys that are high A's, big visionaries, I've got to teach you how to ride that horse, mm-hmm. right? Because the minute you start trying to micromanage that person, he's gone. They're gone, yep, yep. So in today's world, mm-hmm. in a down rate market, how easy is it for you with, with incoming calls, right? It's all about rate time, Low process, da, 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 yeah. bada bingo, right? Yeah. But now that in a rising rate environment, right, you've got to, there's a different mindset from the loan officer, right? Right. So the old adage, right, the people that got you here today might not be the people that get you where you want to go. Right. So we'll take a look at in these big call centers, right? Who was really good for you before, but now that they have to actually be creative and outside the box and how are we going to get you this and really show value mm-hmm. and really show you now and, and be able to put more things together and add up all your, your, your expenses and all that kind of stuff. You got to think now. Yeah. That's going to be a different LO than the LO that was able to make a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars you know, a couple of years ago, right? In a down market. Sure. So, Yes, the first thing I want to take a look at is the manager, and I'll take a look at who's underneath him or her. Mm-hmm. And depending on what I see going on there, I can determine. And again, that's why I'm going to need the first meeting with the CEO when we're doing the team, because I'm going to be radically candid with them. Mm-hmm. And if I have other leadership in there that I might see there's issues with, I want to make sure I have the conversation with you first. Mm-hmm. Before I have it with everyone, there, there'll be a time to have it with everyone in the room, right? And also, once we get them into the workshop, and they also understand the program, right? Yep. Then, you know, I'll tell you what, there was how I first, you know, I don't know if I want to lay, name the names, but I'll just say it was a big, big mortgage company, gone public now, and very famous guy. And um, he was such a proponent and such a, uh, he had, he surveyed everyone. And he had, when you walked into someone's office. I'm not sure I understand. 
Thanks, Siri. <laughs> when you walked into someone's office, you had the name tag and then you had the profile underneath it. So you knew walking into the office, wow. there are no surprises. Hmm. You know you're walking into. So when we teach people how to communicate with you, if it's more than three bullet points, don't he's going to delete it, right? I mean, <laughs> right. don't send John like five paragraphs worth of an email. He's <laughs> just going to delete, delete, <laughs> right, delete. Right. So we teach people. Interesting. How do you, and like, you know, someone who has a high, high B, the people that, that need, want, and seek social acceptance, they think out loud yeah. all the time. Don't mistake what they're saying as what they're going to do. They're mm -hmm. just thinking out loud. So mm -hmm. once you learn all these different ways that people operate in our world, then we know how to manage them correctly, how to motivate Help, them. It helps you work better with them as well. 100%. Yeah, that's that's cool. why it's, it's culture. It's all about culture. It's interesting. And it's top down. You started. Is, is it hard to implement this? Or is it, does it just take time and effort? Or is it pretty? Think about any new system that you got. Mm -hmm. First time, if you, if you ever switched LOSs. Yeah. Not fun. Not fun. But so my, my job is to frustrate you in the beginning because I'm going to slow you down mm -hmm. in order to speed you up. Right. So I have a new client, 250 people in the company. Uh, they're home services, right? So uh, we've identified, like, you know, when a plumber comes into your house or an HVAC guy comes in, it's not just, not just unplugging. They're, they want to find out what else is going on. And that it, so we took a look at, because we have another process um, in the program uh, called a C-job. And basically I'll say, okay, John, we're looking at outside sales or inside, whatever. Let's fill out this questionnaire here. You tell me what are all the traits that we need mm -hmm. for someone to be successful. And then we'll take a look at who's killing it for you. And then we'll take a look at those traits. And then we can start saying, here's how we clone someone like that. Here's how you take a look at that. If, you have, if you're saying, I want thoroughbreds, mm -hmm. and you get a zebra walks into your office, guess what? You're wrong for the thoroughbred role, but you might be perfect for the zebra role, which is, and if you don't necessarily have that role open right now, you start building your bench, mm -hmm. right? And you start mm -hmm. building, because these are unlimited surveys so, that we can do. Do you do the survey when you interview people or before? Before. So like, like this is also really good for hiring. 100%. Yeah, interesting. We do this because, again, if you're looking for a thoroughbred, why are you going to waste your time with the zebras? However, mm -hmm. that said, again, you're going to build your bench. Hiring is only 10% of, of what we use the program for. The other 90% that we get all the value and you get all the ROI from is once you have them on the farm, as my mentor says, <laughs> what kind of water and feed program are you going to put them on so that they thrive? Like Jack Welsh says, if you pick the right people and you allow them to spread their wings and you put comp behind it, you almost don't have to manage them because, again, they're doing what they're built to do. Interesting. And they're in the right role. Yeah. And the right seat on the bus. They're happy. Everyone's happy. Everyone's stoked to come you to work. You more time. You can become more profitable. They're engaged. Great, and yeah. your engaged employees, have an, you do 87% more productivity out of them, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So imagine having, it's like any team, right? I mean, I also have these family businesses where family is all about unconditional love and about that uh, no one gets left behind. Well, guess what? We're not family anymore. We're a team. Mm -hmm. You keep dropping the ball on me, buddy. You're not the team. You're, you're dragging now, down the team. Yeah. You're holding down the team, right? So if everyone's on the right roles, and obviously smaller companies, you got to wear a lot of different hats. Sure. But again, you talk about success stories. I mean, when I've been able to optimize teams and figure out, hey, we need a rainmaker in this role instead of a craftsman. A craftsman can just, he, he can turn the pipe. Yeah. But can he upsell <laughs> for the rest of it? 
right. what it's about. This is all used to predict financial outcomes. Plus also like when you're in, in, in a CEO role or you're in like a management role, you might be like, uh, they're not going to like this task, so I'm not going to give it to them. But if you know who they are, you, you might be like, oh, they're going to love this task. And so then you can sort of delegate in a much better fashion. Again, go back to in right. a, for your LO, right? He's a shooter. You hired him because he's a shooter. Do you want him wasting his time field dressing, skinning, butchering it? No. Shoot the deer, man, yeah. and then give it to us. Right. The processor will take care of it. The people that love doing what they're doing. People that, those accountants, right? Yeah. They would drive you and I bonkers. They'd go repetitive things all the time. Mm -hmm. There are people that love that. They love doing it. They're, they're stoked. Put them in a room like this with no windows, close <laughs> the door. Because the lights they, on. They come to work yeah. to work. Right. The social people come to work to do everything but socialize, right? And so, right. so again, it's just understanding how people are wired. Yep. That's good. What, um, how does someone uh, go about doing this that just reach out to you? I mean, I know we're both an EO or, uh, you know, entrepreneur organization is a, is a, is a great, um, EO is a great place to be if you're an entrepreneur. Right. And, you know, you, I, I know you've been doing this through, you know, in, in EO, right? Right. So I'm a strategic alliance partner and guys are on full transparency, right? So I, I sponsor San Diego EO and San Diego, I mean, and San Francisco EO. So the way that you get in touch with me, and you'll put it in the, in the program notes here, and I want to offer all the listeners here complimentary team diagnostics, right? So reach out to me. Mm -hmm. I'll send you a link. We'll survey you, and then I'll give you a demo account. We can survey your team. I'll come back, and again, this is on me. We'll look at your team. I'll look at the strengths, and we'll look at any potential gaps here, and then we'll go from there, right? So the way that you reach me is P, my name, P Baltazar, B-A-L-T-A-Z-A-R, at cultureindex.com. And then we'll have a link in the program notes where you can click that and you can either ask for the survey link, it's right there, or you tell me a little bit about the company and then we'll set you up with a team diagnostics and give you a free demo account and it'll be unlimited. You can test drive me for 60 days and you can <laughs> send out as many surveys as you want. Because this is this, if you survey people in your company, yep. it's like going to the zoo. Because they're behind bars, they're not behind bars, but they're they're in a, yeah. in a controlled environment. If you survey your spouse and your friends and your, then it's like going to the wild, right? And so the more you survey, the better the validation of the program because then you really know them. I have CEOs that say, "Dude, have you been following me around for two weeks? Or <laughs> did you talk to my wife this morning?" Then, how, like, how did you know all this? Stuff? How did you yeah. know all this stuff? Right, with two questions. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, very interesting, especially like you know we just launched we just came into 2023, 2022 is behind us, which right. was a tough year for mortgage, as right. you know, I mean, the rates went up and, um, but 23, you know, we're all kind of optimistic about this year. We think it's going to be a good year. Uh, rates are starting to come down a little bit, but if you want to get your team in, in, in the tip top, best optimized working order, you know, this is something I think that could really help really scale, right? Like you can get your, your right team in the, the foundation set. So then you can just jump in and, and really put the gas on and, and have, have the right people, you know, play in the right position. And listen, one thing too, for the realtors, all the real estate agents out there, right? Mm -hmm. I have realtor clients that are using the survey. If they bring on a listing, mm -hmm. they survey the person that they got the listing from because how do you want to be communicated with, yep. right? Mm -hmm. How this helps you communicate more effectively the way that they want to be communicated. Interesting. Not the way that you want to communicate with them.
Yeah, I think that that especially salespeople, if you want to learn how to communicate better, right? Like, oftentimes we will communicate like we want to be communicated to. Back to your golden rule and platinum rule uh, statement, you know. So if you learn how to communicate with people, I mean, just become a better salesperson at the end of the day, right? A better human being. Absolutely, that's what we're all striving to be, right? right? If I want, if you, if we work together, like I said, your wife doesn't score you a nine or a ten after we work together, then I failed. I think that's a good pitch because we all <laughs> happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> uh, what is one of your favorite quotes? Chop wood, carry water. Interesting. Let's explain that. You know what? There is so much beyond our control in life. Yep. Right. That. What is in our control is chop wood, is work on your craft, man. Yep. You know, a singer sings, a dancer dances, a, you know, an actor acts. And, and the thing is, if you're a loan officer and it's, these are slow times right now, dude, get into some programs. Know your program inside and out. I became a better underwriter than the underwriters. Mm-hmm. I would put on, especially in these slow times right now, when you go up against an underwriter, don't think about an adversary. Think I know the guidelines so good mm-hmm. that I'm going to tell you this makes sense. Yeah, this makes sense. You know, I went. I got my appraiser license. I got my inspector license. I mean, I was never going to lose another mm-hmm. fight with an underwriter because I said this makes sense. Right? These are the exterminate. Um, these are the the, the consequence. I mean, the what's the word I'm looking for here? The um, outcome. Extraordinary. Uh, circumstances or the things that would make it make sense right these are the compensating factors compensating factors yes, thank you yes i'm having a senior moment here <laughs> compensating factors mm-hmm. and you know them because you know their programs right? right how many places can you place loans these days if you're going to send loans to fund loans know how they underwrite here sure know what yeah. they look for for a gazillionaire millionaire guy you know that doesn't have show income but he's got do a bank statement deal or whatever the deal is, right? I mean, know yeah. the product. Yeah, yeah, because underwriters aren't perfect. They're going to miss something here and there, right? I mean, right. it's just how it is. Um, one of the things that I think about, too, as a salesperson is why don't salespeople use their sales skills not just on their client, but also all, every step of the way, like the underwriter, the processor, the funder. You can sell You can use that sales technique not just with your client like you're not just right. trying to right i think a lot of salespeople have kind of like it's that art that they've lost it's it's a, it's an art to be able to be a salesperson right so if you can do that for you know your under your your client but then you can also do it for your processor and treat them great like you would treat your client treat your underwriter great treat your oftentimes so many salespeople to berate or beat up their you know their ops people and then and then that person doesn't want to take their call but just i think by by like you were going, like you were saying earlier, creating this like better human, you can take that sales technique and put it in everything in your life, whether it's your wife, whether it's your kids, whether it's just the person at the, you know, the store, you know, you can create this sale, this environment that's, that's your own environment. That's beautiful. Listen, on every call, a sale is made. Love this quote. They're right? either selling you or you're selling, selling them. them right? <laughs> right. And I used to tell my sales guys, you know what? And every time you hang up the phone, You've either built my brand mm-hmm. or you've torn it down. Mm. I right? like that. I love that. I'm going to so, use that. And, you know, it's, it's like 
And one last quote that I heard from a podcast yesterday, it was from uh, John, I think his name is Chow. He was the CEO of Cisco. It was about, you know, every decision you make, like, is it in the best interest of the company? Hmm. Do I fly business class? Do I fly coach? Or do I take a bus? What serves the company? Mm-hmm. What do I do? And I've been listening to these guys, and one of my mentors also talked about it in his companies. He said, listen, everyone in my company sweeps the floor. Hmm. Takes out the trash. So the first time I ask you to take out the trash and you roll your eyes, I'm going to let it go. The second time I ask you to take out the trash and you roll the eyes again. <laughs> Ten gonna, push-ups. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to say, listen, I'm going to remind you of the conversation we had about everyone takes out the trash here. Yep. And if you roll your eyes the third time, then we're done. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, we're in California, so it's, it's a little harder to... Dude, don't get me started. Every time I, I went to labor court in California as a CEO owner, man, I think I lost every single one of them. So I stopped going a long time ago. Yep. Um, but you're right. So, but it's top down, right? Culture is yeah. top down. And-, and I think if you lead with that, hey, I'm willing to do anything kind of mentality, then you're going to win with your team as well. Service. Yeah. Service is the highest path. And that's one, you know, I told you in the very beginning of this thing, right? I got into the industry to serve. And I lost sight of that when we were doing 60 million a month or 80 million a month. And mm-hmm. that, I kind of lost try. Then I had to come back to that. You yeah. know what? Because when I, when I, when I caught a loan officer taking the short route, cutting corners, right? I'm like, dude, I said, you know what? You know, zero tolerance because I don't want that deal. Mm. I want that deal. I want his dentist. I want his mother in law. I want his attorney. You yeah. can't get the you screw the someone. Game. You want the, the long, long game. game. Yeah. The long and especially when times when times are tough here, you might be tempted to do that short game. Mm-hmm. Just to get the commission. Yeah, it's not good. That's not good. Well, uh, we've all had help along the way. You know, um, your story was pretty fascinating. What um, what shoutouts do you have? Any anyone that you can, you know, you can say, hey, they they definitely affected my career. Or they helped me. Whether it's Life in general or career? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, my wrestling coach, he was a guy that um, we called him Rat. He was this little dude, man. And uh, for him, it was all fundamentals. We, nothing fancy. It was fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And that kind of led into, you know, the chop wood, carry water. And I remember, I remember, because in wrestling, guys, you know, you step on the front of any wrestlers out there, you get on that scale. And if you're a, a quarter over an eighth, you don't wrestle. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, you never wanted to face my coach in <laughs> high school to not make weight. Cause once again, there's so much beyond your control. Yep. Right. Um, but what's in your control is your weight. What's in your control is knowing the product. What's in your control is this. Right. And I guess the other shout out I'll do is to my dad, you know, he's no longer with us right now, but, um, my dad was a guy who, uh, was in you know World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and um, and the guy had nightmares till till the day he died just from battle. But um, I saw he was an OSI guy, which is Office of Strategic Intelligence, and um, I once saw a uh, a retired OSI magazine, and he was the only non-white guy in the in the entire picture of this whole group that was in Korea. And I said to him, I said, Dad, I said, you know. 
how did you deal with that prejudice? Because I was, you know, look at me, I'm a Swiss mother, Filipino father, never the guy next door. How did you deal with that prejudice? He looked at me and he says, what prejudice? <laughs> right? He was, yeah. about, he was about service. He was, he was the first Filipino to be commissioned in the American Air Force, right? And, uh, you know, he's not around anymore, but man, you know, the lessons that he taught me are just about, I, I never heard him one time in my entire life ever say, I can't do that. Like, <laughs> or I didn't know, I don't know how to do that. Wow, that's cool. Right? Mm -hmm. this, he was about getting it done. Figuring it out, yeah. By all means necessary. That's awesome. That's cool. Well, I appreciate you telling your story and explaining what you do and coming on for our listeners. And uh, if you're listening, please comment, like, share, subscribe, all those things that you know. And if you're still listening, definitely reach out to, to Phil here and see if you can't help your team get to that next level and bring your culture to the best it can be. Thanks for coming on, Phil. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. See you on the next podcast. The Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast.